Well, did you have a nice weekend? Did you partake in the Jubilee celebrations? Did you? Did you? Did you have a street party? Did you? Did you? Did you fall out with somebody over the COVID scam, over the monarchy? Did you? Did you punch one of your neighbours? No, I didn't either. I had nothing to do with any of it. Welcome to Monday's programme. It's June 6th, 2022. The question is, will it be D-Day for Boris Johnson? Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. That's got to be the most predictable link ever. D-Day for Boris Johnson. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, a very good friend of mine, Mark Windows, returns to the Richie Allen Show. Can't wait to talk with Mark again. He'll be with me in just over 30 minutes to talk about a series of programs that Mark has made about how global governance is imposed. Rather, how governance is imposed on individual populations. It's terrific stuff. Great researcher is Mark. Check out windowsontheworld.net. That is Monday's programme. You, me, Mark Windows, and hopefully a little bit of analysis that might make a little bit of sense as to what's going on today. That's the one, D-Day, yeah, D-Day for Boris Johnson might be, I'm sure you've heard by now, but just in case you haven't, but you have, but just in case you haven't, but you have, I know, here's Sky News, Jane Sanker. One, Jane. Good afternoon. Boris Johnson is facing a vote of confidence this evening that could see him removed from office. Conservative MPs will vote at 6pm after at least 54 of them wrote to the chairman of the Backbench 1922 committee, Sir Graham Brady, calling for the Prime Minister to go. We'll get the result of that vote sometime after 8pm. Before then, Mr Johnson will address his MPs at 4 o'clock as he fights to stay in post. Let's listen back to Sir Graham announcing the confidence vote this morning. The threshold of 15% of the parliamentary party seeking a vote of confidence in the Prime Minister has been passed. Therefore, a vote of confidence will take place uh, within the rules of the 1922 committee. That vote will take place this evening in the House of Commons between 6 and 8 o'clock. And we will announce the result shortly thereafter. Uh, There will be arrangements for proxy votes for any colleagues who can't be present in person uh, in Westminster and we'll notify colleagues of those arrangements in the near future. So how does the no-confidence process work? Well, to trigger a vote, 15% of Conservative MPs, that's 54, have to submit no-confidence letters. In the vote, more than half of the party's MPs, that's 180, need to vote against the Prime Minister to remove him. If that happens, there's a leadership contest and Boris Johnson is barred from running. But if he wins, he's safe for a year. Safe for a year. That cut pretty sharpish, didn't it? He'll be safe for a year if he wins, said the presenter. Uh, The news media cleared the decks today. Nothing else has been covered bar the challenge to Johnson, the confidence vote which will take place, as she said, between 6 and 8 o'clock. Around about 9pm this evening, there will be a result, apparently. It was said that at 4 o'clock he addressed 
he addressed his fellow Conservative Party MPs, begged them to support him later on, as if any of it matters. But anyway, have a listen to the Digital Media and Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries, a big ally of Boris Johnson's, also speaking on Sky, this time to Beth Rigby, the Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries. No, I'm not worried at all. In fact, I'd like to get this vote out of the way so that we can get on focusing on the issues that really need to be focused on. You know, today Russia is firing rockets into Kyiv. We've got a global cost of living crisis because we can't get wheat out of Kyiv to the rest of the world. There are some really huge issues which the Prime Minister needs to focus on and we as a cabinet and government do too. So this is a distraction. We want to get this out of the way and then move on with the business of government tomorrow. And Nadine Dorries, what does the Prime Minister need to get Garnet in terms of support for you to feel that this matter has been put to bed and he's safe? Oh, Beth, I'm not going to talk about numbers. If he got, you know, a majority of one, that's enough to move on. You know, I think the most substantial point is, or the substantive point is, that 14 million people voted for the Prime Minister in a general election, the biggest vote that a Prime Minister, Conservative Prime Minister, has had since Margaret Thatcher. I find it utterly bizarre that a small number of MPs think that they can overrule that vote, that, that vote of 14 million people. It's quite something that they think they can do that and so you know let's get this vote done let's let's move on tomorrow and um, the prime minister is going to to win comfortably tonight and we can move on just in terms of divided parties not winning elections there's been a bit of a a bit of agitation around should i stay today about uh, you'll know about this about some tweets between you and uh, jeremy hunt jeremy hunt saying it's time for change and uh, you you said you said if you've been leader you'd have handed the keys of number 10 to corbyn you've been wrong on almost everything you're wrong again now that's what you said uh, to jeremy hunt um it, that, that, that's kind of exacerbating this civil war isn't it no, what, what's your response to that because jeremy hunt today has come out himself I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this, has come out yes. today himself and said that he is time for change. I think what he means is it's time for him. And, you know, I don't want to talk about individual personalities, but what I would say is that you can't say repeatedly that you're not going to challenge the Prime Minister while there's a war in Ukraine and on the day Russia fires rockets into Kyiv decide that it is time for a change of leader. I'm afraid that's just not acceptable. And I don't want to talk about personalities, but I'm afraid sometimes it just has to be said. Yeah, when Johnson won the leadership of the Conservative Party just over three years ago, he beat what's-his-face Jeremy Hunt in a runoff, didn't he? It was Hunt against Johnson, so it was. He, the former Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, has urged MPs to get rid of Johnson this evening. That's what he said. He said he'd be voting for change, as Dory said there. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? You and I know, I think we know, it's arrogant, it's maybe borderline arrogant to say we know that no Prime Minister in history was ever, was ever in charge of anything. It's an illusion. Democracy is a sham. There is no such thing as democracy. Politicians don't make laws, they don't make rules, they don't make regulations, they're window dressers. So what does this mean then? Does it mean that for once in my life, when I said months ago that the the hidden hand behind all of this charade might be done with Johnson now and might want a change of political party at the, you know, a change of government, maybe not. Obviously, that's not going to happen tomorrow or the day after. But to take this forward now into the climate change era, 
maybe they've had enough of Johnson now and it's time for Labour or a Labour stroke Lib Dem stroke Green Party coalition, maybe. Who knows? What do you think? Let me know, richieallen.co.uk. As for Boris Johnson himself, the beleaguered PM, according to the Telegraph this afternoon, he has promised to cut taxes as he desperately tries to persuade Tory MPs to support him at tonight's vote. Apparently he's written to his Conservative colleagues to spell out why he believes they should back him, and he's promised to restore Conservative principles to reduce taxes by taking action on, quote, each major item of household expenditure, end quote. So he's gone crawling to the MPs, apparently, allegedly, saying, well, I'll go back to Conservatism. I won't do so much of the taxing. Just please don't get rid of me later. Mm. Um, we'll watch anyway later on, really. I mean, it's, there's nothing else on the telly. It's Monday. It matters not. Now, 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 Peter Hitchens didn't quite say that today because Hitchens, well, he knows more than he lets on, does Peter Hitchens, but he's never going to say it on television or radio. He did make the point to Micah Graham on talk radio today uh, he lamented how parties have been covered, like Partygate and Winegate. All of that has been covered, and Johnson has been excoriated by the media and excoriated for having parties, while David Kelly's murder and the Iraq war debacle, which led to the deaths of millions of people, not so much condemnation from the media or even coverage laterally, from the media. Here is Hitchens on Talk Radio today. We've had more of an inquiry into the consumption of cake and cheap wine mm. in Dank Street than we ever had into the decision to go into the mistaken war in Iraq mm. or into the death of Dr. David Kelly. Yes. That tells you quite a lot about a political culture, isn't it? Aren't, aren't, aren't these things yeah. gigantically more important? Yes. And yet we don't really. We and don't I, th- really and I think know. We've, we've said before that, that the political kind of um, elites who are in not just government but who are also in the media and do not really want to know about big things like that. I don't think they, they care. Well, it's because we don't have a proper adversarial political system anymore because the two political parties are much too close together mm. and they, have, uh, they, don't, they don't really oppose each other. And, of course, because that, the gap between them has narrowed almost to nothing, the, the, the diversity of the media has also mm. narrowed. So there's much less difference of opinion in the country as a whole being expressed. Mm. So I'll say it isn't there. It's just not being expressed. And yeah. half the point of having a noisy adversarial parliament of the sort that we have is to provide a safety valve for the discontents of the country. People don't feel those discontents are being expressed. No. Who knows where it will come out? So I don't know. I, so I can't get exercised about this. I mean, I've never thought that Johnson was particularly uh, was a particularly well-qualified politician. I don't think he's particularly conservative. No. He did memorably stand, I think, when he failed to win office at the Oxford Union as a... Tory, he stood then as a social democrat, so I don't think there's, a, there's no more, sign of principle no, there. I don't think uh, principle would be the first word that you would it use. It simply doesn't it. trouble him. Uh, no. He's baffled uh, the, 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 by it, and, 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 and there you have it. Yeah, there you have it, Peter Hitchens there. You think Hitchens knows more than he lets on? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Who am I to judge anybody? I don't know. Listen, the website is down. Just massive volume of traffic on the website today. 
It happens pretty regularly on uh, Mondays, Tuesdays. Uh, we're we're working on it. When by by we I mean by we I mean Hayden. So forgive me. It should be back pretty pretty lively. It is the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. You see, that's the reason. So it's a poison chalice, that. Uh, thanks to somebody for sending me a link to a story on the Independent News website. That's independent.ie, so it would be the Irish Independent. And it's, a, it's an exclusive, according to the Independent. Uh, even Murray, even Murray, writing today. That's a lovely name, even. It is a girl, a girl. Go on, girl. Uh, writing today in the independent.ie, return of work from home plan to save fuel in event of crisis caused by Ukraine war. Is that a climate lockdown via or by the back door? I don't know. I suppose some will see it like that. People will be ordered to work from home in the event of a major fuel crisis sparked by the war in Ukraine under secret government emergency plans ordered. Eh? Where does Hall Martin get his balls? And that Muppet, Deputy Taoiseach, that Muppet Varadkar, where do they get the balls to order people to stay at home to conserve fuel? But of course, this isn't of their own... This isn't of their own volition. They haven't dreamt this up. There isn't a brain cell between the Irish Taoiseach and his deputy. Of course not. Morons! This stuff is decreed. It is told to these goons. Johnson, that clown in France, as Gerald Salente would say when he's off on one. That Muppet, that other Muppet in, in Germany these days, the new Muppet. They don't make policy, they deliver it ordered to work from home in an emergency plan which the Independent says it has had exclusive access to. Wow. That story. We'll have to dig a bit deeper into that and get some Irish comment on the programme this week. The Irish Independent can reveal that in the event of a national fuel crisis, emergency contingency measures discussed at the high-level meeting include all non-essential workers ordered to work from home, a limit to be placed on all non-essential car travel. Imagine it, your government telling you you can't take the car out on uh, other than on the days that we designate. I think a massive, lanky, baldy gammon of a bollocks said somehow two years ago that something like this would happen in the near future. I didn't see any war in Ukraine. I'm, I'm not going to claim that. Of course I didn't. But I said by hook or by crook, this is what they would do. A strict limit on the fuel, on the amount of fuel that motorists can buy at any one time and the implementation of an immediate and strict reduction in the speed limit on motorways. That's the Irish Independent this afternoon. Thank you so much to the listener. Uh, Simon, Mexborough Simon sent me that. Thank you, Simon. Astonishing. The balls of them will order you to work from home because there's a fuel shortage. Anyway, we'll come back to that, no doubt. Right, where are we now? Elon Musk threatening to walk away from the Twitter takeover. Do we give an arse? No, we don't give an arse. It doesn't matter. Who's in charge of Twitter? Musk is whinging because the, the, the people currently running Twitter won't give him access to um, proof 
that there are less than 5% of daily users actually bots, spam accounts. Musk says it's far more than 5% spam accounts and fake accounts. Twitter says, no, it's less than 5%. Musk says they're not being forthcoming with the information. Therefore, this threatens to take over. Who gives an arse? And this worried me today. I'm an Irish Republican. I'm a nationalist. By peaceful means only and always. Don't have a violent bone in me. Nobody should throw petrol bombs at anybody else in the name of peace, in the name of nationalism, or kill anybody because they disagree with them. This troubled me today. You might remember back in 2011, a lovely woman called Michaela Macarevi was murdered in Mauritius while she was on honeymoon. She'd only been married. Her father is the legendary GAA figure, Mickey Hart. Okay, Tyrone man. Anyway, she was murdered back in 2011. It's a terrible thing, obviously. Obviously, feelings are still running raw. But now, a video emerged on social media. A video with men singing a pretty horrible song about the death of Michaela Macarevi, who was a Catholic, her father, the former Tyrone manager. Catholic, of course, what their politics were, I have no idea whether Mickey Hart was interested in politics or the girl herself, but she was murdered. So last week, a video emerged of people singing a horrible song about this uh, unfortunate young woman. So it's been condemned. Unionists across the north have condemned it unequivocally, as have Catholics, nationalists, right? The Orange Order has begun an inquiry up there, to be fair. Uh, Justice Minister Naomi Long and, and, and others, they've come out and said, terrible, 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 terrible thing. It is terrible. What a bunch of fools to be making videos like that. However, however, one guy who appeared in the video has been fired by his employer, SJC Hutchinson Engineering, which is in Kilree or Kilray County, Derry. One bloke has been sacked, right? Now, the company went on social media to say the content posted online is abhorrent, divisive, and we unequivocally condemn such behaviour. It is no place in society. We won't tolerate such conduct by any member of staff. We have advised the staff member that his employment has been terminated with immediate effect, and that's what you won't be surprised to hear that I don't like. I don't like that, and I'm sure you disagree with me. I'm sure you'd say, well, Richie, if it was one of my employees, was found to be making a video, yeah, but was he doing it on company time? Was he? Was he representing the company at the time? Did he have company branding? Did he? Did he have a jacket with the company's logo emblazoned on it? It's a nasty thing, isn't it? What a shy talk like. What a shithouse to be making videos mocking the murder of a young Irish woman. But should his company fire him? Should they? Right? I want answers to this because this is raw stuff, this. People are properly pissed off. And I spoke to a friend of mine today. Well, I had a WhatsApp exchange with him. And he's not happy with my stance because he's an Irish nationalist based in Dublin. He said, you have to sack him, you can't have that. But it's none of their business, is it? Firing someone for doing something while they're not working for the company on his own time, it isn't a crime. It's not a crime to laugh and mock somebody's death, something that happened yesterday or last year. It's not a crime. It's, is, it, is it an outrage against public decency? Maybe. 
It's not a crime, though. You know what I don't like about it? It makes it easier gradually to sack people for not sharing the values of the company. Do we really want that? In the future, you don't share the values of the firm, so we reserve the right to fire you because of the things you are into. Like what, boss? Well, we see that you're involved in that anti-vaccine campaign. Well, well, no, I, I just, I'm a bit concerned about the speed of these vaccines coming to market and I, I don't like them and I don't think they should be mandated. Well, you don't share the values of the firm. Here's your P45. Linfield Football Club sacked one of its coaches, one of its voluntary coaches, it must be said, for taking part in the video. It's horrible. Don't like it. Dreadful stuff. You want to give them a kick in the arse, but should companies be firing them? And that goes straight to the heart of a story I wrote on the Richie Allen Show website today. And that is about cashless society. I won't get into it in any great depth, but Silky Carlo from Big Brother Watch, which is a campaign group, of course, for not just for, well, it's a campaign group for civil liberties for the right not to be surveilled or stalked by the state morning, noon and night. And she's written an excellent piece in the Telegraph today about how cashless will bring terrible consequences for society, including, she's finally picked up on this, something you and me have been bitching about and complaining about for years. That is, a central bank digital currency will be a rules-based currency. He or she or it, whatever the institution that controls the currency, gets to make the rules for it. It's to punish people. She talks about people being deleted from PayPal and, and other financial services providers. Deleted because they've been cancelled because of their opinions or because of their, well, I don't know, their stances on certain things like maybe like the vaccine stuff. It's really good. And yesterday, or was I said yesterday in the article, but I think it was Saturday. I ran around Stretford, came back into Old Trafford. I ran past Old Trafford's east stand. The weather was nice. And I saw that Manchester United Football Club's megastore, which is the most successful sporting megastore in the world, in any sport, it turns over gazillions, right? It has decided now that it is cashless permanently forevermore. I thought for a moment that it was a COVID hangover, a measure left in place because of you know, the, the COVID scam. But no, I asked the security guard. And he said, no, it's going to be like that for, for forevermore now. Cashless. And when I posted this today, a number of you posted underneath it to say that you've experienced this yourself, even over the weekend, going to places and being told, no, no, contactless only. Either pay with your card or pay with your phone. I mentioned some weeks or months ago that for the first time ever I have an iPhone. Now this show, I make a lot of phone calls for this show, so I have a business uh, phone account. So every two years or every year, they send me a brand new phone. Brand new. I'm not really into phones, I, don't, I couldn't give an arse. This time, I said for the crack, a change is as good as a rest. Well, just get, because I use Samsung for years. Go on then, give me an iPhone then just for, to look at something a bit different. And it's so simple with this device, with the wallet, to touch the phone, you know, to top up the wallet with a few bob and to touch the phone to the various machines, the, the little, the little 
contactless machines they have in shops, you know, car parks everywhere. It's dreadful cashless, isn't it? Dreadful. It's uh, 24 minutes past the hour and it's coming in at the speed of light cashless. And I don't think anything can be done about it. I really don't. What do you think, RichieAllen.co.uk? It is con- uh, comment live at the top of the page. Now, Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour Party, he was on LBC Radio this morning with Nick Ferrari. Every now and then he does a, a, a show with Ferrari where the listeners get to phone in questions. And after a lot of ranting about Boris Johnson and about confidence votes and all of that, he was eventually asked to clarify once and for all his position on women and penises. Can we resolve one thing? You will recall a little while ago we had a conversation about female and male anatomy. Annalise Dodds, your women's and general equality sector, and equality sector says women cannot have a penis. Another of your senior colleagues, Stella Creasy, says a woman can have a penis. Sakir, can we put this to bed? Who's right? Well, look, Nick, let me take this head on um, because you challenged me on this last time. And let me be clear, for the for the vast majority of women, this is all about biology, and of course they don't have a penis. We all know that. Um, and, of course, they need safe spaces, and we all support that. I've been supporting that for many years. And, of course, we want more equality for women. Again, the Labour Party's been fighting that cause for a very, very, very long time. So for the vast majority of women, um, biology is what matters, and it's very clear they don't have a penis. Uh, but let's not leave out of account that there is a small minority of um, individuals who were born in a gender they don't now identify with. Um, uh, some go through um, a process, others don't. Um, and that is very traumatic for them. And I, for one, I'm, I'm going to respect and support them. Um, and, um, and I think that's actually where most people step back from this. They think, well, that's a, that's a fair assessment, Keir. You know, 99.9% probably of women, it's all biology. We must support them, safe spaces, more women's equality. But let's not pretend um, or disparage or fail to support a small group of people who actually struggle with their gender identity. But that's their business, though. The small group of people, the less than 0.01% who struggle with their gender identity, that's their business. It's not our business. How would you support them? Aren't the radio presenters of 2022 the worst in the history of broadcasting? Like, he didn't stop them and say, how would you support them? How would you support them? Why are they vulnerable? Nobody gives a shit. It's 2022. It's, there's never been a better time to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, plus, 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 unicorn, whatever it is. What support do they need exactly, Keir? Right? You can't be for protecting women. That's real women with a vagina. And at the same time saying, well, you know, we need to support these people. Because those people want the rights of real women to invade the spaces of real women, spaces that have been preserved exclusively for real women. So you can't have both, pal, is what Ferrari should have said, but Ferrari is as useless as tits on a bull, isn't he? Isn't he? It's exactly 27 minutes past the hour. Mark Windows joining the programme in less than 10 minutes' time. You can comment via my website, richieallen.co.uk, Monday's programme, D-Day, June 6th. What year was it? What year was it? 1944. I bet you didn't. I bet you did know that. If you didn't know that, well, Craig says I'm on my second hand, second second hand smartphone this year. The first one wasn't very smart, as it didn't grow wings when I threw it. I doubt the current one will be any different when it eventually annoys me enough. Says Craig. Thanks, Craig. I find it useful when I'm out and about, and I need to send an email quickly. And when you're a working journalist and radio producer, that's pretty much all the time. 
Like I'm, I'm in the park with the doggies in the early afternoon. I'm only three hours from broadcast. And I'm looking at the emails because I'm waiting to hear from someone. So it's useful. But um, not for all the other things. Alan says, cashless freaks the shit out of me. How am I going to get paid for gigs? How does any semi-pro do it? How does any tradesman slash professional do a foreigner's job on the side? What about the tooth fairy? Is she going to use central bank credits for your kid's teeth? Good question. Nobody has consulted with the tooth fairy. At least I haven't heard anyway, Alan. We'll try and get in touch with the tooth fairy. The tooth fairy was a serial killer in Manhunter which was based on the book Red Dragon. That's right. Monk came back to say Richie Spurs is another team that has gone cashless right from the beginning of the new stadium. Thanks, Monk. I think you might have told us that uh, previously. It's uh, worth telling us again, by the way. I'm not not having a go with you, but yeah, I think you told me that before. That's very interesting. Angela says, I pay with cash wherever possible. I never buy from anywhere that doesn't allow cash, even if I choose to pay by card, she says. Thanks, Angela. Ian says, I've always loathed company values. They are a means of corporatizing an individual and controlling their behaviour. When I worked for Ernst & Young, the firm, as we were commanded to refer to it, had such values to adhere to uh, at risk of poor performance reports or worse. Horrible, says Ian. I am not condoning the idiots who made the video that was designed to cause distress to the family of uh, Mrs. McAreevy. Of course not. And I I wouldn't condemn um, her uh, widower if he boxed the face off of one of the dickheads in the video, even though I don't like violence. But companies have no right to say, we're firing you. That that doesn't end well when they can start looking at what you're doing outside of your job, even if it's something as pathetic as making videos singing awful songs. Listen, I've been consistent on this for years. If they did it about me, if somebody very close to me died and they started that shit singing songs about my family member, my wife, my, my, my brother, my sister, my best friend, there's no fucking way I'd want companies to be firing them. No. I'll deal with it if I catch up with them. Or at least I'll try to. Craig agrees it shouldn't be a, a sackable offence. A quiet word and a slap on the wrist, perhaps, but not the sack. That's bullying in my opinion, says, says Craig. Caroline says, to be fair, and she has a point here, uh, Caroline Feely, how are you, Caroline? Well, I wouldn't want someone working for me with that mentality, to be honest. I understand that. I understand it. I'm, listen, you know, it's a valid point there. Thank you. Patricia. Brownsfather, how are you doing, Patricia? Hi, Scottish Al. The time is 29 minutes to the top of the air. This is your Richie Allen show. It is live from Salford. BBG Terrence here in Salford. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. Always good to be with you. Always. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen show now at richieallen.co.uk. Yeah, comment live. Now I know you're going to be interested in listening to Mar- 
dark window. So do use the website Comment Live to leave a comment. I will be looking in on them as I'm chatting with Mark. Go to windowsontheworld.net. Check it out. Uh, check it out later on to, to catch that series that he's made about how governance is imposed on populations around the world. I was listening to some of it today. It's very well put together. I like that. Bit of time gone in to that. Uh, so there has. Now, what have I got lined up for you in terms of a musical break? Haven't a clue. Tina Turner, why not? Yes, why not? Tina Turner from, from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mel Gibson. Tina Turner on the Richie Allen Show. We don't need another hero. Beyond Thunderdome, the soundtrack there. Right, comment live, the Richie Allen Show website, richieallen.co.uk. Mark Windows needs very little introduction. You know who the man is for many, many, many years. Now, he's been, I think he's been a terrific analyst. I really do. Breaking down geopolitical events, making sense of them and putting them into context to describe a dystopian Orwellian agenda. He's a television presenter, a writer, a musician and an old pal. It's always a pleasure to welcome back to the show, Mark Windows. Welcome back, Mark. Hi, Richie. Good to have you on, pal. And thanks um, for coming on. We're going to talk, and I want to give a plug to this before we start chatting. I said it to, to uh, our listeners already. I said, listen, the protocols of power, go to windowsontheworld.net. You'll find the series there, links to all of the episodes on, on Spreaker, detailing how the system of governance is imposed on populations. Now, before we talk about that, I was asked to ask you, my friend, your presentations when you did them publicly in pubs and sometimes in halls, sometimes you were ably assisted by other people, but most of the time it was by yourself. These were terrifically well received. Have you any plans to pick up those uh, talks again on a more regular basis in the future? I'd love to, Richie, because what I'm very concerned about is the lack of intellect and the destruction of knowledge more than anything else. Those talks that we did in the UK and I took around were were well received, yes, but we're talking about a very small amount of the population that will engage with that sort of information. And also, another thing to remember is that even at the time, I was banned from most of the venues. Yeah. As soon as they looked at the website, that was it. And the antagonism that we got from these people and especially people like the Quakers who were so bought into climate change it's ridiculous that they don't even want to see the evidence or hear an argument it's very disturbing and as you said in the introduction it's dystopian stuff when how often do you sit down after broadcasting an episode or or up, updating your website with some information how often do you sit down? And this is going to sound very negative, but it isn't. It's just realism, this. How often do you think to yourself, not enough of them are going to pay any attention? And, and well, genuinely I don't think engage. Like that anymore, do you not? No, I did for some time. I remember those days at TPV when we were sort of trying to get it out to a wider audience. I don't think that there's been any period in history where real knowledge has been absorbed by the wider public. But the people who do take it on board are the ones who are important and their actions and the way they deal with that information is the most important thing. So 
I'm kind of looking at it now as though we're recruiting people who we want to talk to, because I don't know about you, but I'm finding it really difficult to find people I even want to have a conversation with these days. Yeah, me too. It's funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I used to, up until recently, I would email people, some in public life, some maybe former in public life, and I wouldn't take, I, I've never taken rejection personally. I, I just kept plowing away. Um, academics and what have you. Look, I see it a bit different than you. Can you come on so we can have a debate? And up until the COVID scam, many of them were prepared to come on. But but since the, the COVID scam and since some of the stuff that's been in the press about the show, um, they just won't come on. And I've just given up. I, I've not given up. I'm still as committed as ever to conversing with people like yourself. But I'm just not trying to engage with them anymore, Mar. So we, I think we have it's that strange, in common. It's yeah. Richard, yeah. because I think your show was trying to do that. You're a radio host. You're very engaging. You get people going and you talk about it in a way that anyone can understand. So for them to turn against you is a real sign of the times. And I was quite depressed about all that because when Hope Not Hate and such like attacked you with their usual rhetoric, I thought it was incredibly disappointing because OK, they can do it to me. I've had people on they don't like. That's basically what these lobbying groups do. They yeah. say, well, you talk to someone at a bus stop once that we don't like. <laughs> that's right. And that's about it, really. It's yeah. not even about you. In fact, they have a bit of difficulty with me because I tend to try and get a balanced view. But I think this is a huge problem. And also it's why I, I don't think there's much point in me engaging in a lot of the things that I did when I started off. I've tried to hone it down. So we're getting into this kind of idea of preserving knowledge and putting things out as a series of statements which may cause an outbreak of thinking. That was yeah. actually my tagline when I thought of this. You know, you write things down. I thought, well, what we need really is these nuggets of information, almost like they're going to be discovered in thousands of years' time in a stone jar. And they're going to go, <laughs> yeah. wow, this was incredible. You know, this is exactly what must have been going on at the time. But that's a kind of side issue. But in a way, there are people who contact me who have got the intellect to understand what I'm talking about. And I think that's all you can do now. As I said in the beginning, I used, well, I used to have about 800 people in my phone. I don't talk to any of them anymore, Richie. They will call me a conspiracy theorist. They'll look at my website or they'll look at my posts and go, oh, he's lost the plot. And I've just had enough of that because these people have never thought about anything in their lives. They are extraordinarily shallow in their view of the world. And they don't think about things on the scale or the depth that I do. And that sounds really arrogant, but it's actually true. No, I get it. I get it. I get exactly what, what, what you're saying and what you mean there. And rather than, you know, engage with you, you see, that's the way we used to be. So, Jesus, Mark, uh, yeah, he, he seems to be gone off on a tangent there. But um, I know him to be a very, very, very good researcher and a credible uh, journalist. So... I'll tell you what, I'll have a chat with him, I'll get him on my channel and I'll say, hey Mark, it seems like you've gone off the reservation a bit there. You see, that's how it used to be and of course you'd love that, you'd engage with that. But now yes. it's a case of, no, well just just, just, just don't, don't engage with it, don't ask any questions, don't, um, you know, d d don't have a debate. And there's nothing better than a debate with people, people you like but who see things a bit differently than you do. Because you often find when you do engage them, well, I have over the years anyway, that I, I rethink my, you know, kind of steadfast, you know, views. I think, well, Jesus, now that, 
now that I've listened to Mark Windows, yeah, he's got, he's got a point there. But that's gone. That's been destroyed. And I listened to most of the first episode today, The Protocols of Power. There are eight episodes in total. Um, really, really well done, mate. I'll be listening to the rest of them. And what I liked early on in that episode was you've cottoned on to a new thing, which is, dan- not, I won't say it's dangerous, but it's a little bit depressing as well, is how the the... I call it the establishment or the system. I, I, we, I know we use different words to describe it, but they've cleverly invented a new independent or new alternative media, which isn't really alternative at all, is it? Even though it might seem to be from time to time. Well, you find out that it's not alternative no. when you sort of realise that you're completely locked out of it. And they kind of close ranks around you and they never ask you onto their shows. However, what they will do and I found this recently, is that they will almost use counterintelligence techniques to actually attach you to things you're not attached to. So I think that this deep state stuff is a lot more prevalent than people think. I always found the UK to be the most infiltrated country in the world. Now, I haven't been to every country in the world, but I've been to quite a few. But the way it changed, and we've talked about this before, since the big society in 2010, the communitarian agenda, which basically turns everyone into a spy, which is what you're talking about, really, with us getting banned from everything. So in other words, there's no debate. You're just full of hate. That's it. And everything that's outside this uh, new system is defined as hate. But yes, I find that the so-called alternative media is rather banal. They're all chasing hits. They're all selling mugs and they're all trying to outcompete each other when in fact it's about information. And I don't listen to anything in the alternative media anymore. People might go, wow, that's incredible. Well, I used to, but they don't teach me anything. I'll go to source documents and I'd rather look at the mainstream press because I know what's going on underneath that. When people come out and make these claims, you know, about COVID that we've heard and some of it is useful, but a lot of it's not useful because I know doctors who are still debating all this stuff. And they'll have they'll have their little favorite COVID stories. And yes, and they skewed the data here. They skewed the data there. They'll be doing talks about it for eternity. But yeah. the, the globalists have in the meantime moved on. And these people are are sort of stuck. And I found this. I talked to a doctor who put a lot of this stuff together. I'm not talking about Rainer Fulmich and that lot. I'm talking about people connected to that. Um, They're called um, a different name. But I spoke to this doctor for two hours about how sustainable development works, how it was put into every part and level of society, and how this system works, the communitarian system, which you can see around you. Anyone with a brain cell can see it. He absolutely ignored it. And he never got me on to talk to anybody. I look at what they have on and they have a series of basically academics and it's a clown show. It's not going anywhere. They're not seeing the bigger picture and they're going on week after week after week and they're just wearing themselves out. I wrote him a letter, actually, and it's on the website and it's in the article section. It's called The Enablers of Apathy. And it's a letter that I wrote to him because he didn't answer me emails. And as soon as I'd sent this letter, he got onto me straight away, said, oh, Mark, sorry, I don't look at my emails all the time. I'd obviously kind of rattled his cage a bit, but he still was totally disingenuous and didn't engage with me whatsoever. So in other words, we're looking at not just the mainstream with closed minds. We're looking at people who can't get out of their academic gulag or their programming. We... Uh, I came on air at five. I don't know if you heard any of it. You probably didn't. So you won't know this. 
But this is big news now. Um, the Irish Independent newspaper has revealed this afternoon or today that um, there was an emergency planning exercise held 10 days ago between all the major state agencies and the Irish government. So this happened 10 days ago. It's only broken today that this happened. Wait for this, Mark. People will be ordered to work from home in the event of a major fuel crisis sparked by the war in Ukraine. So here's what they've said the government now. Um, if the fuel crisis escalates, um, it, the government will reserve the right to order non-essential workers to work from home. A limit will be placed on all non-essential car travel. A strict limit on the amount of fuel motorists can buy at any one time and the implementation of a strict reduction in the speed limit on motorways. Now that to me is 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 scary because that's very quick that. Already you've yes, got one Richie, government. And, yeah. and if we go back to what I was talking about yeah. years ago when we used to know each other with people's voice, yeah. I was always saying that 20 miles per hour zones and speed humps will lead to absolutely totalitarian control. You did. You, and yeah. nobody got this because I knew where it was going. Everything is done in a gradual way until the crisis comes. So it'll go on for a while, then there'll be a crisis. And the resolution to that crisis is what they wanted to implement in the first place. So you're exactly right. And parallel to that, just before you called me, I was just looking generally at the news in case there was anything you wanted to bring up. And people have been trialed for a four-day week. Yeah, yeah. 70 companies are involved, three and a half thousand people, and it's run by these two change agent organizations, NGOs, pushing basically sustainable development and everything that's in the bigger picture of the agenda. And I looked at who they are. They're all useful idiots. And the another thing that's very interesting, which may, may, maybe people aren't aware of it unless they've tried to get government documents, is that if you email a government department now or even an embassy, do you know they will not reply? I didn't. You will get a, a automated response saying, we'll reply in 24 hours. They never reply. And that goes for organisations such as the Criminal Records Office and also the Commonwealth Office. This is absolutely unbelievable when you think about it, but it is the system breaking down. And all of this is about disempowering people. Yes, making them stay at home, getting them onto this universal credit, because look at what happened with COVID. People became incredibly lazy. They all want to work from home now. It stopped them going out. I mean, people have told me that in London, you know, events that used to be packed are about half to two-thirds full because they've got in the habit of not going, not going anywhere. Out and watching things online. and Exactly. And, and the metaverse is going to be a big part of this, Mark. Can you imagine in a few years' time? Before we talk about the protocols of power, uh, first of all, I want to mention it again. Windowsontheworld.net. You'll find the protocols of power there. Links to eight episodes. Mark, for years, and I've always enjoyed listening to him. He makes a lot of sense. He's very good at breaking it down in a way that makes it understandable and palatable to people. He's talked about, you know, the people. Um, the, the the where's and the why's, the who's behind the agendas. He's he's done that a lot. In in this series, he gets into um, the the systems of of government, and we'll, and we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes' time. But I think last time we talked, I think we 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 I think we were, we were kind of on the same page. 
it's it's going to be kind of full on climate change now, isn't it? From from here on in, and in the in the near future, you'll have. Um, didn't wasn't it interesting? Something you said to me probably two or three years ago. ABBA got back together, but they didn't really. Astonishingly, even though they're all fit and healthy, and jeez, I'd love to go and see ABBA if it was the four of them in in Manchester Arena. It might be a great night out. But they had their avatars or their holograms on stage, and I thought to myself, Mark, it's it's not a stretch now to buying a ticket to see ABBA, but staying at home and putting on a suit of some kind uh, so that you can dance in a big arena with people, well, in in, in the metaverse, or or a helmet. Again, in the name of conserving um, and reducing your own CO2 uh, output. Do you believe in the near future, I think you've said this before, I think you've written about this, that everyone will be given uh, a CO2 emission limit, a personal limit for a week or for a month, and that you can't exceed that. Is that where this is going now? Is this the next big step, do you think? Well, I think you averred to that with what you said previously about this scheme that's happening in Ireland. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they are controlling and managing every aspect of people's lives, and they are now imposing curfews. And under this banner of climate change, which has been the biggest driver of change ever, apart from, of course, international terrorism and the pandemic scenario. So these are all just drivers of change. And that's what we try and do in this series. By the way, it's, if you scroll down on the website, windowsontheworld.net, it's actually in the articles section. And all the shows are linked there. There's eight of them all together. We went into evolution, how that's used as a, a vehicle for change last night, the whole evolution concept. But yeah, I mean... This is the whole point. I mean, our drummer actually said years ago when I used to do gigs, this must be about 15 years ago, he said, yeah, in the future, there'll just be holograms there. They're already talking about it, so there won't be any gigs. And you've just basically said that. And I think the thing is that there are maybe a generation of people who will accept that. But us who are getting older, unfortunately, do not accept that. We want to see proper live music. We demand it. And there is nothing to compare with that. You can't compare a sweaty pub gig to some hologram. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I have memories of gigs I used to go to and you get very strong memories. And when I was visiting these clubs in the early 80s, where I was far too young to get in, but I knew bands, I've still got those memories. And that was a very intense time because it was kind of crazy, loud and memorable and very, very colourful people, you know. So w- what are the memories of this going to be? There aren't going to be any memories. No, It's just no. going to be part of the continuum of, of mediocrity, isn't it? And mediocrity is the only thing that is promoted now. Is it the case? I, I, I believe that they'll make daily life reality. And, and I think, again, we could discuss whether this is reality or not. Maybe it isn't. Maybe we're in a hologram. I have no idea. But But what we understand to be reality... It's it's their plan, I think, and I, I don't. I never get into this in the way you do. You've got this skill for delving down into the fine details of this. For me, it's feelings, really, just based on what I see and based on reading you and listening to you and others like you. There aren't too many like you now. It must be said. But I look at it and I think, yeah, life to be made so unbearable and so miserable that the generations behind us will dive into the metaverse. Do you see it like that as well? Well, the escapism route, yes, that is part of it. But that's been going on quite a long time. And certain people are drawn to that and certain people aren't. There are certain people who are addicted to computer games who wouldn't get off their arse all day. And through the television, 
out of the window if they lost the game. There's always going to be those people. There's always going to be people who are going to do that. What they're trying to do is make it so there are more of those people because those people are incredibly easy to control. And this is the whole point of what I'm trying to do with knowledge, insight, solutions, facts and quotes in these shows. I'm trying to keep something alive, which is basically the use of the mind and intelligence. And I've been going back to this idea that we'll probably have to start using pen and paper again and putting things down in reality rather than on the blogosphere and all the rest of it. And it may mean engaging with smaller groups, but I've been kind of thinking about this and maybe it's a good idea to try and find your own like-minded types who have similar goals and aspirations and enjoy similar things and build that because all right, most of mine is online, but I've visited many different places because of people who listen to the show. I get really insightful information from the listeners to this show. And what I've done is I've cut myself a lot off from this so-called alternative media. And I seem to be engaging with a smaller crowd, but a much more interesting one. And I think that's a key point here. It's about quality, not quantity. And having this stuff wash over you 24 hours a day becomes pointless. I mean, I like to go out into the wilderness where I am and you don't see anybody there. There is nobody there. And you're absolutely out in nature. And once you experience that, you're experiencing reality. And it's a very different thing. So I think it's all about how you cope with this stuff. Because sitting at home all day, researching and getting depressed is in a way kind of counterproductive. Yeah, I know I used to do it a lot myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, so you're, you're well placed to comment on that. Um, I imagine it's incredibly therapeutic as well to be out in the wilderness and just to hear the sounds of animals or birds and the fresh air. I've no doubt in my mind, Mark Windows is our guest. Um, we are going to talk right now about the protocols of power. And just as you're about to do that, I'm not going to go on another tangent again, I promise I'm not. But you, you mentioned the pen and paper. I'm guessing, and I heard you talk about it in one of the episodes, I think the first episode, I'm guessing that you are boxing clever, you are resigned to the fact that when the online harms bill becomes reality, when it becomes law, they'll eventually try and get guys like you off the internet, won't they? That's what it's about, really. Well, yes, and, and they have from the start, Richie. For some reason, the information I put out, maybe because of the way I do it, and I put it out with hopefully some credibility and more importantly, back up what I'm saying that they don't like. If you go out there and make wild claims like someone like Alex Jones, all right, he's been kicked off, to be fair. Yeah. But for years and years, he would make these outrageous claims. You know, he nearly started World War Three once, didn't he? Saying that there's missiles being aimed at America. That was in about the year 2000, I think. Was a long it? time ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And. And the thing is, this shock jock kind of thing, I think will always be allowed because it's basically doing the job of counterintelligence so that, in other words, some of it's true. I mean, what he says is true, but it's mixed up with so much hyperbole that it sounds ridiculous to the average person. Therefore, it is easy to denigrate. But if you put stuff out that the average person might look into, like I did a live stream with some people in a group up in Manchester, actually, in Stockport, and... The, they were all saying, yeah, we can see it, Mark. We can see it. It's in front of us. But the problem is as well, 
as a side issue is that if you go to these people who've been brought up in the academic gulag, they won't be able to see it. Yeah, and I know so that's, this, an, yeah. that's a problem, isn't it? It yeah. is a problem. It is. And yet there, there are some of us who went through the academic. I mean, I, unfortunately or fortunately, went through the academic gulag. And yeah, I mean, I was the guy who was telling people on, you know, a big radio show that that, that Bin Laden orchestrated 9-11 from a cave mark in the Tora Bora Hills. I, yes. I, did, I did that, you know. I was the guy. But, but I eventually saw that it was nonsense. So I'm always hopeful, even when it is the academic gulag, you know, gradu, graduees, or I, I think, yeah, there's, there's still hope for them. And I think you've nailed it. The, the, the hope is to almost behave academically yourself, which is what you do which is, you know, in a, a very cerebral way, which is what you do, um, explain why it is you think as you do. I, I, and I, I see that point you made about Alex Jones. I, mean, I used to have great crack interviewing him when I was based in Spain years ago, you know, and I, I, I look back at that now and think I was a bit soft on him a lot of the time. You know, I should have been harder on him and drawn him out well, a lot more. to be fair, you know? I mean, I think we have to get this in perspective. He did introduce me to a lot of yeah. stuff that was happening in America. And... He wasn't wrong about what was happening. It's just that if you over-egg the pudding to that extent and start yeah. shouting and ranting and all the rest of it, it's great theatre, but it's not really conducive to getting out the information. No, it gives the legacy media then or the so-called mainstream yes, media... Yes, I mean, what he did with Andrew Neil was absolutely outrageous. He basically... It looked as though he made a fool of himself yeah. in public. Yeah, madness. Just to... Just to, just to you know, get himself off the hook and to make himself look like an idiot. I don't know why he did that. Let's leave him. We could do yeah. a whole show on him. And I mean, I knew him very, very well for a long time. And there will be listeners who like him and they'll be saying I should stick up for him a bit more. But look, I'm not going to do that today. Um, Mark Windows is our guest, windowsontheworld.net. Why was it so important with this series for you not to move away at all from describing the people, the characters, what they did and how they did it. Why was it so important to talk about the systems of governance, to get into uh, the protocols? Because for years I've been putting out information and news stories which backs up what I'm talking about. Now, I wanted to get into something that was simple to get across in a series of statements because I've been trying to put a book together for about 18 months and it's pretty much done. It's just that I don't quite know what to leave in or what bits to take out. So I started writing this as a series of statements of almost like prose poetry, you know, yeah. and so it's just lines of information which will start to sink in because I found that when you're trying to absorb information, there's too much of it and it's hard to take some things in that aren't written very well. And if there's too much information, you don't tend to retain it properly. So I wanted to get things down to an edited type of situation where Everything is written down as a statement and you can go, oh, I'll think about that. And that's what it was about. So when I put the first 
couple out, people said, I like this. This is good. And I thought, great, it's working. So it's a, it's a new way of doing things. And it's put down as though every word is important. Everything has to be written so that it's perfectly understood and cannot be misinterpreted. So basically, yes, a series of statements which may cause an outbreak of thinking was what I did. And it also, it doesn't link to loads of different things. It's great to have all the links, but I think if you make these statements, then people look it up and they go, oh, it's true. That's better because then their minds aren't going to be too clouded and taken all over the place because we know what it's like. Once you start looking at one link on the Internet, you start looking at hundreds, hundreds. and then you've changed the subject. So basically what I'm trying to do is strip down the information as though you're in some sort of monastery with no electricity and some candles. <laughs> and there's a book there. And it's the only thing yeah. you've got to look at. But it's very fascinating. It was that kind of idea, really, bringing things back to basics, but in a very easy to understand but profound way. What do you think, thinking about, the, there are eight episodes, Windows on the World.net, scroll down where it says archives, articles. That's where you'll find it, folks. Do yeah, I'll actually check put it, it on out. the homepage, which I'll put it at the top after this interview. So... Uh, people can easily find it. It's on the homepage anyway, but I'll, I'll do a link to it. Brilliant, Mark. Do that, yeah. Uh, eight episodes, folks. So what would be... Give give us a couple of, of absolutes then, of statements regarding, you know, the protocols, the systems that are absolutely cast in stone, um, irrefutable, that will lead to somebody going, Jesus, I'll have to check that out. Well, I think it's the real and the stated goals is the main thing to get your head around. In other words... People get a bit caught up in this idea of, oh, it's evil, it's this, that, and the other. Actually, when you look at it as, as a system, it starts to make sense. So that is the key issue that I wanted to get over. There's the real and the stated goals. In other words, everything that is done has to be presented as a benefit. And unless you understand what this is actually for and where it's going, you will not be able to see why they're doing it. You won't and be able that, to see beyond the benefit, basically. The, the claimed benefit, yeah. So yeah. once you start seeing the drivers of change, then it becomes much more apparent. So the drivers of change are what you need to be looking at. It's not necessarily what they are presenting as the cover story. And that is probably the most important thing. Probably the most important thing, I think. There's yeah. some glaring examples of that, isn't there? We we could look at COVID. We could look at the plans being laid out to deal with the 1.5 degrees of warming, and in in those plans and documents, you see just what you've said there. You see it laid out there: the benefits, the stated benefits of taking, um, of adopting a certain protocol or of changing a law. But but really, that's not the desired outcome the benefit is nonsense but yet it'll be very difficult for people to see beyond that benefit if they've never been exposed to any of this before it's like yeah why not it's not a bad idea why why don't we why don't we limit people to driving every second weekend why not good idea it'll reduce our co2 output and it'll be good for the planet but in reality that's nonsense Yes, they have to look at what's behind it. And most people are too trusting and too gullible to actually have any idea that these people are very clever 
and they're steering you into where they want you to go. And there's a good reason for that, because it was decided a long time ago that the whole idea of climate change and climate catastrophe would be the driver of change. That's all it is. It's got nothing to do with the climate. It's everything to do with social engineering and the manipulation of minds, because if you don't want to save the planet, then you must be full of hate. It's dead simple. That's what I say in the protocols of power. I get down to the actual thought processes which are behind it. In other words, we've covered all of the actual evidence. I've been to conferences with some of the best scientists in the world who've been sacked by the IPCC or left. That's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. I've been fortunate enough to meet these very eminent scientists. And one thing they all have in common is they are absolutely shocked at the way they've been treated because they thought they were in an even battle. Right. Yeah. They didn't realise that this is an agenda which is absolutely ruthless. So as soon as they even question it, even in a very polite way, bang, you're out. Isn't That's that it. fascinating, Mark? They mm. believed that they lived in a paradigm where the best ideas won out. That if yes. you if you placed your evidence in front of somebody and it could be peer-reviewed, that other scientists would go, wow, right, so okay, so I was wrong, so we move it on again. And isn't there a great similarity there with how a lot of the great Barrington Declaration doctors have been treated? You know, the ones from Harvard, yes. I've had a couple of them on the show, they're horrified, they can't believe that, for daring to say, well, actually, I've looked into it and the evidence suggests that the lockdowns will really, really hurt people, it'll, it'll harm their health, it won't be good for children. And rather than be engaged on that, like your climate scientists, um, they were basically ostracised and threatened and harassed and, and chased all over the place. Yes, and these are very decent people, you see. So they take it extremely personally. And I know that Neil Axel Mourner was absolutely denigrated. He died a couple of years ago, and he's one of our greatest assets. And we went down to Fairbourne, and he was going to be the expert witness for them. But, of course, that never happened. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. It was the first place to be decommissioned. He was very useful to the counter-argument. Therefore... As far as the opposition go, he's just, or he was, someone from Sweden who believed in dowsing. They don't say anything about the hundreds of peer-reviewed papers and his four years on the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change as their expert reviewer on the sea level chapter. That's, that's beyond an ad hominem attack. It's beyond it, really. It's so Well, horrible. this is what I'm trying to get over, Richie, yeah. that... It's evil, but don't take it personally because then you're going to react. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying in the protocols of power. Your reaction has already been thought about. Yes. They want you to react violently. They want you to get angry. Depressed, that fed up. Is, and depressed and feel yeah. disempowered. You're, so what yeah. you have to do is look at their psychology and find the weaknesses in that. And once you start even talking about that, you are going to be dropped from just about everything. And I have been. But it doesn't really matter because this is a lifelong learning project, which yeah. I'm sharing with the like-minded. That's all it is. You'll never it's be dropped from now. this programme, my friend. You'll always have a door open here anytime yeah, you want to talk great, about Richie, this. And, and thanks for that. Give over. Don't thank the, me. The thing is that I think that your show is probably the only one 
that does what it does because it is a radio show. It's a talk show, but it's a talk show with a difference. But you've found out now, and I think we've talked about this before, that you just put your head above the parapet and said, I'm going to give the other side of the argument. Well, you're not allowed to do that. And you found out, you see. Yeah, but you found out you couldn't even get somewhere to speak. It's like me. What a ridiculous situation we're in. All is I'm doing is talking about international documents that have been agreed upon by every country in the world and they ban me from venues. From Ban you from talking about facts, things that have happened and things that will have, well, terrible consequences as a woman from Big Brother Watch. Now, I know all about Big Brother Watch. I'm not naive, but... Yeah, just um, gatekeeping, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know that, yeah. But she, she did write an interesting article in the Telegraph today about cashless society. Mark Windows is our guest. Windows on the world.net. Um, folks, check him out if you haven't before. I know you have. And there's a little button on Mark's website. It says donate. Um, I've never heard Mark Windows ask for money, ever. I've never heard him, during the course of his programmes, harp on about money. But the independent media, and there isn't much of it left, there isn't much genuine independent media left you have to support it folks if you use it if you listen to Mark and you share the information support it windowsontheworld.net we're talking about the protocols of power what you said there has really struck a chord with me because I only learned how to do that in recent years I never really cared too much about what people thought about me anyway going back to when, 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 when I was much younger but but um I would have been guilty of having an emotional reaction to things that would have been in the press or or stuff. Not because I felt particularly hurt by it, but just the injustice of it. Like, you know, because... Yeah, but that's normal, Rich. It is, but it's wrong. I hear you. It's wrong to react like that because you've got to... What you've done is you've looked at what do they want and how do they want it? Right, they want you to react like this, which is going to take you down to this low vibrational state. It's going to distract you from what you're doing. It's going to make you kind of think on a me, 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 me basis. When When, as you said, I think one of the most powerful things I've heard today is it isn't personal. They don't have anything against me or, or, or you on a personal level. We're just people that kind of have to be marginalised. Well, we're just in the way, basically. In the way, that's, that's exactly right, yeah. And uh, it's profound stuff, that. Don't over, don't feel... I mean, I felt a lot of injustice when, you know, I was kicked off certain things, you know, the PayPal and stuff like that. And then I thought, well, why do you feel that you've been wronged by it? It's what they do. Well, you have been wronged by it. I know, but it's what they do. You they're know? there just to get engaged in financial transactions, which they're making a fortune out yeah. of. And then they become a political entity. That's outrageous. That's right. And, and, it and, is outrageous. So I, you should be outraged by it. But the problem is that you get this kind of reaction against that with the new age crowd who say, oh, that's negative. I don't want to engage in anything negative. Well, the whole point is that it's called a system of moods. And these people are in the system of moods, the whole new age agenda and this acquiescence from responsibility, which is what it is, and this acquiescence from facts by calling them negative is a social engineering program. And it's within this system of moods. So they've got everything taken care of. I mean, there's so many trolls out there now. There was, there always was. But if you, on Facebook, for instance, you will find people who are posing as those people that you think you want to engage with. And everything has been taken account of. The head of the snake is unseen and has no structure in the eyes of the gullible. But what scares it 
is initiative and unpredictability. Now, that is the most important thing and something which I found incredibly difficult for anybody to even understand because they would say, well, they do, they, they, they're saying the same things as you are. I said, but yes, but their objectives are completely and utterly different. They're here to divide and rule and lead you into the inevitable cul-de-sac, which will make you give up. And people never seem to get this. And it's a real problem. There's certain groups in the UK that I'm in touch with, and they are having a really tough time because all of these sort of groups that form are taken over and they are steered. And this has always been the way. Infiltration, I, I this, isn't it? Yeah, I find it incredibly interesting the way it was done. But Richie, they're working to a template. There is nothing clever about any of it. It's, it's basically simple. simple, yeah. This is the thing. It's simple stuff. Like when you talk about, we talked earlier on about how the, you know, how the deep state has created a new independent so-called alternative media. And some of that is mainstream. Like you look at talk radio, it, it dubs itself, it's, it's given it the moniker, the home of free speech. You know, on the surface, you think, not me, I didn't think, we're not stupid, I'm not stupid. But on the surface, some people could be forgiven for being happy. Well, oh, they, they get, yes, they get drawn into yeah. listening to this nonsense and people like Mike Graham waffling yeah. rubbish that he doesn't even know what he's talking about, but he calls himself the independent republic of Mike Graham. He wouldn't know how to think independently. No, but he if, says, if he but was he said, all of the information that we've got here, hundred he percent, do right. it. He's not capable of thinking independently. No, That's you're absolutely where he is. Absolutely, during the the, the scam, he and, and and Hartley Brewer on on another program, they did incredibly well at sucking people in because they were vehemently opposed to the lockdown itself. And then when it was kind of mooted that we should have vaccine mandates, they were very strongly opposed to that as well. And that's what you're getting into in the protocols of power. It's it's fantastic. It's brilliantly done. Like, And then they call themselves the alternative media. It's Well, actually, it's amazing, Richie, I did really. an article on this and it's yeah. called Pawns in Media. On a sh it was based on a show that I did. I've done several shows on this. So what you've got, you've got the mainstream. Then you've got this kind of off mainstream, which is like LBC and talk radio, which purports to be an alternative, but isn't. It's just gatekeeping. Yeah. Then you've got the alternative media. Then you've got this fourth category, which I think that I fall into, which is people who put out information and solutions, but in a very sober and realistic way, and they look at the whole bigger picture. Not many do that. There are some, but they're not really known about. I mean, you interview some of these people sometimes, which is great, but they're outside of the alternative and they're outside of the mainstream and they're nothing to do with the gatekeepers either. So you have to go to this kind of fourth area to get real information. So investigative journalists in other countries that are uncovering the biolabs, that kind of thing. Mark Windows is our guest, windowsontheworld.net. We've been talking about the Protocols of Power, which is available now on the website, windowsontheworld.net. Mark's a journalist, he's a musician, a writer, a broadcaster. You'll find him on Spreaker. All the links are on uh, the website. You, um, but solutions, you see, I... I all, all I've ever done, because I don't know, I don't know very much, and that's not modesty. I, I generally don't. I in, I don't interview. I talk with people. I speak with people who have, um, I believe, something very interesting to say, and they can back it up with some, you know, 
ready to hand evidence and that's that's what i love what what you do is completely different you you find the information to begin with you analyze it and then you distribute it as well as broadcasting about it so so so, so that's what i do I, I i hear from listeners from time to time to say oh you never talk about solutions and i always write back always and i say listen uh, it's not for me to be talking about solutions. I, I'm a journalist. I, I try and get several sides of a story, as many sides as I can. And it's up to you d- then to decide what you want to do. But you've got some very definite ideas about solutions. And is there any way, and you can take as long as you want, it's uh, 18 minutes past six, that you could break down um, for us viable solutions to dealing with some of this crap? Because I'll tell you why, just before you come back in and I'm going to get out of your way, I'm not being negative, and I know I'm going to be accused of it. Cashless at the moment is inevitable. These rotten policies, online harms bill coming in to make it very difficult for people like you and me even to have a conversation online, I believe it might be inevitable. Um, You know, driving only every second weekend will stop you from driving because we have to ration driving. All this stuff, I, I think we're very close to it now. So I'm all ears when it comes to solutions. I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm not trying to set you up. Um, how would you go about saying to somebody or explaining to somebody what they might be able to do to mitigate against some of this stuff that's coming down the pipeline? Decentralise as much as possible. Work in small cells of people. Don't get involved in big groups because they're always taken over and infiltrated and steered. And that will be energy harvesting. Think of this as an energy harvesting exercise. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? What are you doing with your time every day? How much of your time is being wasted on worrying about or looking into what these people are doing? If you know what they're doing, you know what they're doing. You don't need to keep looking at it. Get yourself organized in small groups. Find ways outside the system. Start bartering. Start getting independent and set up I wouldn't use the word community because it's been absolutely taken over. But work in small groups and use people for the skills that they have and do as much under the radar as possible. And conversely, anything to do with the technocratic system, use as much resistance to it and use your initiative because most of these organizations online are not even engaging with the public anymore. No. So what you can do in return is you can slow the whole thing down. Send them emails. Say, would you clarify this point? Would you clarify that point before we carry on? And the point is, if at the end of the day they come back with something, say it's something you have to do online, then all is you have to do is say, well, I've sent you the emails. Just sort that out. But what I'm talking about, really, that's a trivial point, but... You see, what they are doing is they are bringing all this down to law and it's done as a religion. So we're talking about religion and law. And this was stated 100 years ago that this was going to be the way they did it. So what you have to do is look at the way it's being done. You can't react against the system. There is no point that's already factored in. Um, All of the fake revolutionaries are already there. These people stage their own revolutions. So don't think that's going to happen. That will never happen. But I think a change in thinking and attitude and individuality over groupthink is what is needed. Now, individuals can actually work together. 
And you have to take it away from all of the way that society has been structured so that these groups are steered into the inevitable outcome through things like Delphi technique and get used to the fact that your local council is where the seat of global power operates as far as you're concerned. Forget about the Illuminati. Forget about the people in Switzerland because there's nothing you can do about them. Have a look into what they think and what they say by all means because they're not daft. That's one thing. Some of them may be a little bit on the spectrum, but some of these people who've thought of this are not daft. So start having a look at the way they're thinking because the whole of the idea of climate change came in through just a few people, just a few people. And one of them was an oil billionaire. One was a banker and the other is an international lobbyist. So when you start thinking about it, you start to become less disempowered because you think, well, wait a minute. It was only a few of them that did this. We're not talking about some. You see, what they do is they represent it as a supranational governance system, which is a spider's web of organizations, which I've been trying to describe to people for years on end. But most of them still can't see it. But if you say, OK, how do you engage with your local council? And people are now getting that. They're getting it. But the main thing is not to be distracted by what's going on. Get on with what you've got to do. I've got a friend who's got a charity behind the scenes. She has been putting together a lot of things. There is food growing projects. There are initiatives to help ex-service people. And it's all under the radar, but only on the radar when it needs to be. So you have to tell these people what they want to hear and then do something else. A bit like the conversos who conversed, converted to Catholicism. The inward person would be different than the outward person. And because of the infiltration and the way that the communitarian system works by collectivizing everything, you have to box clever with it. There is absolutely no point in engaging with these people on their own battlefield. You have to come up with a counter strategy which will actually have some effect. And I'm starting to have conversations with people who want to do this and they're getting it. But they still will be distracted by external things. And the idea is to have an objective. Once you've fulfilled that objective, have another one. Now, not everyone's objectives are going to be the same. But what I'm talking about here is this is a battle for your mind. If you own and control your own thoughts and your own mind, you stand a very good chance of being able to circumvent a lot of what is coming. Brilliant stuff, Mark. I'm going to read some comments now. We've probably got about eight, nine minutes left with Mark today. WindowsOnTheWorld.net. Let me read a couple of uh, comments, lots of them. Uh, Carla, earlier on, reckons even the Queen, says Carla, was a hologram at her own jubilee. I'm not sure about that, Carla, but listen. But why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why does it matter anyway? Why are you engaging it? Why are you giving that your time? So what? She was a hologram in the carriage. They're getting you ready for these people being projected as holograms. So what? John Carpenter did it in a film called Escape from L.A. Remember that? Snake snake Plissken. That was like 20 years ago. So get used to it. They're going to do this stuff. But so what? What, Why does that concern you? Why has that have, does that have any effect on your daily life? 
if they're projecting her as a hologram, doesn't have any effect on me whatsoever. No, it doesn't. Absolutely right. Caroline says, Caroline Feely, how funny what Mark said about pen and paper. I was thinking the exact same thing today. Angela Lambert came back to say that she ordered a fountain pen yesterday in order to write more <laughs> letters. You see, they're engaging. You're on the, they're, they're on your level, Mark. Martin says, I listen to Mark. This is Martin in Spain. I listen to Mark Windows every week without fail. I agree with him as I can't engage in conversation with any infected, mask-wearing, dull, brain-dead COVID-tards, so I cut myself off from these people, says Martin. Thanks so much for that, Martin. I appreciate that. Um, Surrounded by morons reckons that life is being made unlivable. Uh, He's got zero motivation to get out of a rut right now. He's experienced this before, but but has always come to his senses by looking around and seeing that life moves on even when he is feeling miserable. Um, thanks so much for that. I appreciate that, mate. Hi to James. Hi to Busy. Let me mm, scroll up. There's loads of these really important. Craig says there's a film called Equilibrium 2002. There is a line that goes something like this. Towards the end of the 20th century, there arose the revolutionary idea of the hate crime. And Mark Windows, our guest Mark, who, who you are listening to right now, he said earlier on something important. We should have dwelled on it for a moment. They are currently... Um, branding um, somebody's disbelief or somebody's scepticism as as a hate crime or hate speech. Mark Windows is absolutely right. You know, it, it, it is coming to pass that to say, well, I don't believe that CO2 created by human beings is destroying the planet. I don't believe there's any evidence to support that theory. Um, that is being branded as dangerous hate speech. Mark Windows is right. And uh, yes, but also that comes into once you know that, don't keep engaging yeah. with it and getting angry about it. I'm not saying you are, but we know this stuff. Once you know it, you know it. Get on with what you've got to do. I wanted to form something really called the Anti Degeneration League, named after something that sounds similar, which is the opposite. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think that. These sort of insights can be fun as well. So forming these organizations, which are like a mirror image of these organizations which define everything of hate, is also a good idea because ridicule, as Saul Alinsky said, is a man's best weapon. And Saul Alinsky is one of their founders as far as communitarianism goes and social equity and social justice and community organizing because all these things don't mean what people think they mean as soon as i see social justice i run a mile yeah because we know it's going to be well everything's going to be defined as hate which is outside of the agenda but once you know that it makes it simple to look at it then you can look at it objectively and go okay that's fine I would not want to engage or even argue with people who are obsessed, who have joined Extinction Rebellion or the other one and glue themselves to roads. Most of these people seem to be in their 60s, which is rather worrying. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, and, and that lawyer who uh, there was a barrister, wasn't she? She was actually a barrister, glued herself yeah, to the yeah. uh, Social and Economic Research Council or something. I mean, yeah. it's just you, you just can't even make up how dumbed down it is. And these people who were instigating this, are laughing at them. They're just having a good laugh at it. So why don't we have a good laugh as absolutely. well? We're entitled to it, aren't we? You're absolutely right. That um, th- There is that evangelical whiff you get when you see some of these people on TV. And I feel very sorry for them. I completely understand 
what you're saying about ignore them. I, I completely get it. But I do also feel a bit sorry for them because, you know, there but for the grace of God, I was lucky enough to have a moment of enlightenment a long time ago. It was just by pure luck. Otherwise, it could have been me that believed that the world was going to end and sea levels were going to rise and drown villages in Wales and all of that nonsense. I, I, I see the sincerity shines out of these activists. They really well, Richie, believe it. A, a bigger point here. Yeah. These people are being weaponized. Yes, weaponized. They yeah. are being used as a weapon against reality yeah. and against truth. And that has to be taken seriously because these people are being led by some very, very subversive people. When I looked into the takeover of protest groups such as Occupy, I found at the core of it a very sinister bunch of people, not just undercover police, but people who have an agenda which most people out there would have no idea of. These people have a malevolence which you would not believe unless you've come across it. And they are recruiting these people and using them as human shields and ultimately weapons because these will be the people who can be used to kick your door in or kill you. Well, they're letting people... Look, and, and I... Look, there will be some who expect me to jump in now and say, ah, that's a bit of a stretch mark. They it's won't not. Care. Look well, what the, happened in Russia. Y- yes. We're not too far away from that, Richie. Remember, these people have controlled all these revolutions. I was going to the say... The same people who killed the Tsar and his family are the same people behind world events today. Now, I don't want to get into the big Illuminati conspiracy, but it's a fact. It is the same agenda. That's what the Protocols of Power is all about. It's how this system is structured and how it works in a very simplistic way. And it passes seamlessly from generation of Illuminati type people to generation of uh, Yes, it's a belief system and you have to understand where they're coming from. Otherwise, you're going to be reacting against them, calling them names and acting like a prat, basically, which is what they want you to do. The reason I, I the, the reason I jumped in there was not to say I think you, you're wrong. No, it was the contrary. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would have said, you know, ah, Mark, they won't be kicking in our doors. But those are the people at the moment who are deflating people's tires and leaving yes, fairly and chilling to do it, messages. Yes. This is the point. Yeah. They're being allowed to do it. When Extinction Rebellion were in court, the judge said to one of the activists that they needed to flow more like water that is the rosicrucian blending of the fire and the water the fire is the banks the fire is the finance the water is how it's steered so what they're doing is gently or not so gently steering these people weaponizing them and getting ready to trigger them and that's why there's a bit of humanity in me that's why i feel so sorry for them I know they're go- eventually they're going to be the enemy. I know that if they're not no, I, already. I think there's nothing wrong with feeling sorry for them. Yeah. But I think we have to be realistic yeah. about ideologues because once people are, well, let's put it in the government and global perspective, once people are radicalized, which is what these people are, they're radicalized. They are they are already extremists because they're believing in an ideology that's political, which is not true which is an imposition on the lives of all others. Everybody else, yeah. And that has to be taken seriously. I'm not saying don't feel sorry for them. I mean, 
it is a bit pathetic, really, when you see some 60-year-old cyclist gluing himself to a zebra crossing or something. You know, it is. It's pathetic. It's it's sad. But I also feel as though there is a mental midgetry about this, which I find absolutely embarrassing to be a part of as part of the species. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what your listeners are saying. I think this COVID thing has been good in a way because it's kind of – it has actually polarized this and it has got to the point where, you know, before there was a lot of people I didn't speak to. I've got rid of most of my friends who were in media. I just deleted them because they never listen to what I'm doing. They're not interested in it. They post pictures of themselves in in clubs there with with some famous person. They, they're vacuous. I got rid of all of them. What what good are they? to me and i think this is really what it's like it's like cleaning out the cupboards you know i think well what do i need do i need this do yeah, i need that do i yeah. need this do i need them and this i think is a very good way of mentally empowering yourself because i was looking at people who had been burnt at the stake for heresy i nearly finished this film on it and it was about their single-minded belief that i was interested in it was about their faith that they would actually be single-minded enough to go through with something that horrific, even when they didn't have to. And I thought, well, this is all about belief, really. And it's incredible how these people argued their case against these ecclesiastical courts and all the rest of it. Now, there's been lots of that through history, but that's what I see as a valiant thing. In other words, nobody can own your mind unless you let them. And we're all letting our minds be interfered with by these people who are very experienced at doing it. That's a great way to finish up today, by the way. Thanks for coming <laughs> back on, pal. I, I love having you on. I, I mean that sincerely. Go to windowsontheworld.net to find the series, uh, The Protocols of Power uh, by Mark Windows. Um, I don't like to ask you too many personal questions. I don't know what you're up to or where you are, but you're, 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 you're somewhere interesting, I'm guessing, anyway, these days. Yes, I, I'm, I'm in Bulgaria. Are you now? How, 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 what a coincidence. A neighbour of ours visited the country recently and she had only very good things to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked travelling. I mean, people have said, oh, there's a, there's a couple of these sort of trolls who said, well, he just ran away. I mean, I don't know even what they're talking about. I left <laughs> because I wanted to come here and travel and I wanted to experience things. And I've always been like that. So I've always done it. It's just that I'm very interested in this country because it's kind of in the centre of Europe and it's it's got a history which has been hidden and suppressed and there is lots and lots of space here. I've always liked nature and open spaces and scenery. I'm not really interested in living in cities anymore. So basically, yeah, I like to be looking at interesting things and that's really why I'm here, yeah. And, and finally on that, is is um, is it a more affordable place? Because uh, I'm reliably told it is. And there might be some interesting info there for people who are struggling in this country. But is it um, is the cost of living a bit easier there? Have you found? Oh, it's much easier. I mean, most things are about half the price. Food is quite expensive, but things like rent, property and all the rest of it is cheap. The only problem is... If you are a UK citizen, it's much harder to get the long stay visa now, which is 
a little bit of a problem. If you've got an Irish passport, I think you can still just come here and stay. So it's worth a look. And it's not everyone's cup of tea. You see, what I see is not what other people are going to see. And I'm also quite easily pleased. I'm not someone who came here ex with any expectations at all. You're so not everything a was a bonus. And once I saw yeah. the scenery and the ability to get about, and there is a kind of individuality about the place. They haven't been too infiltrated, even though they're under Turkish rule for 500 years and then under communism until 1988. In a way, that's what makes it an interesting place. Well, nobody because could ever discuss and And it's great. I really like it. But most places, Richie, I actually really like. It's just that I got fed up with the UK. I got fed up with the cost of everything, the hassle. I couldn't drive anywhere. All the roads are blocked. It's getting worse and worse. They want you out of your car. They want you trapped in a city. And I didn't want to be trapped in a city. That was all it was, really. We should talk about that in more detail another time. Let's, Anytime. Let's if you're that. ever stuck for a guest, just call me because oh. I'm usually working here or, you know, if I'm available, it's no problem. Listen, continue. I, I will, of course. That's a, that's a, Put that in stone. Of course I will. Uh, Windowsontheworld.net, the protocols of power. You've been listening to Mark Windows, great pal of ours. Support him, folks. Uh, he's not a materialistic guy. That's what I was saying when I was butting in. Um, hardly. You can never accuse him of that. Uh, but do support him so that he can continue to do that work and produce those excellent shows that he does, which are available on Spreaker through the website, windowsontheworld.net. All the best for now, my friend. Thanks for your, your uh, company today. I really appreciate it. That was great, Richie. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Anytime, Mark. Thank you. Mark Windows, folks. Live on the Richie Allen Show, Monday's programme, the 6th of June, 2022. Uh, lovely to have Mark back on the show. Windowsontheworld.net, that's where the eight episodes can be found, can be listened to. I was listening to pretty much all of the first episode today. Very interesting, very well put together. 21 minutes to the top of the hour. I'll read your comments when I return, but I'm going to take a breather so I can have a drink of water. Here are Thin Lizzy. Or here is St. Lizzie. I don't know, you tell me. Back with more in about three and a half minutes. You're listening to your Richie Allen show on richieallen.co.uk. Lizzie, dedication on the Richie Allen show, 17 and a half minutes to 7 o'clock. This is the world's most listened to independent news radio show. Thank you for making it so. Carlsberg doesn't do independent news radio shows, but if it did, wouldn't be better than this. That sounded arrogant, that. I don't have an arrogant bone in my body. It is uh, the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. A big thanks to Mark Boyersky for his support. I mentioned uh, this. I want to keep mentioning this. For the next couple of weeks, if you go to markboyersky.com, if you buy an ebook there, he will send the money, all of it, to The Richie Allen Show, which is a lovely thing, right? So markboyersky.com, if you buy an ebook there, uh, Mark will send the proceeds on to the programme. But better than that, I can do better than that, as we say in Ireland sometimes. I can do better than that if I bring it up here. I had this prepared. <laughs> I'm useless. Yes, if you buy an ebook, not only will the money come to the Richie Allen show, but um, you will be entered into a draw. There are six prizes. He's got three Maldivite crystals and he's got three Libyan desert glass pendants. 
They're prototypes. They're huge, apparently, and beautiful. Three Maldivites and three Libyan desert glass pendants, all courtesy of Mark Boyersky. So if you support um, the show by doing that, go to markboyersky.com, buy an ebook, and the funds come here. And thanks again to him for doing that. I'm really grateful. Do you find, I don't know if it's a bloke thing, I always feel like I'm not very good at thanking people. Now, don't um, mistake that for me saying that I'm, I'm not good at thanking people because I'm not grateful. I'm ridiculously grateful when I'm helped. I get embarrassed. I don't know what to say to people. I, I've said to you before, thanks for supporting the show over the seven and a half years we've been on air. We came on air in September 2014. I just get tongue-tied. I don't know how to say it in a way that it's sincere. It is sincere, but I never feel like I'm sincere. Do you have that as well? Is that a bloke thing? It's in the same way that you get all uncomfortable with compliments. I've never been good at taking compliments. Not, not to do with the radio show, but going through life. I've never been very good at somebody saying that, you know, you did well there or, or, or well done or you're very good. I don't, I've never been able to deal with that. That obviously harks back to the rather difficult beginnings I had in life. There's no doubt about that. You don't need to be fried. But as far as the thanks go, God do I mean it. And I think about it all the time. The people who support the show, who send a couple of quid to the show and, and have done since day one, I think, my God, what a special thing that is. You know, so thanks. You know, thank you. I mean that. Alex says, useful practical advice from Mark there, which is what we need more of. Thanks, Alex. Nelly says, supermarkets are closing most of the checkouts, replacing with more self-scans. Also, the so-called pay-as-you-go, which is cashless, offers customers offers on items tailored to the shopper at cheaper costs to encourage cashless. Yeah, that would be like your club cards and stuff. I'm going to be honest, because I believe in telling you the truth and not virtue signalling. I have used and do use a version of the club card. (laughs) Now, I'll tell you why I do that. When they introduced club cards across all of the major supermarket chains, of course they did it to track what we buy and to treat us like little hamsters, to train us to buy more so that they could target us with targeted advertising. I know that. I'm not stupid. Sure, Jesus, didn't we have so many interviews over the years with so many people who educated us on that? I'm well aware of it. But I think, no matter what, they're going to know what I buy anyway. And I'm a bit of an idiot, so I, I go to a, a supermarket once a week, and I buy the same shit every week. I do. I'll tell, will I tell you what I buy for the crack, will I? He's filling, I'm not filling, because I have loads of comments to read out. In fact, I'm wasting time now. Um, um, what was I going to say? I buy the same stuff. I get six bottles of a particular ale that I like. I like Timothy Taylor, landlord. I get, I get no advertising money for that. If you're listening, creators of Timothy Taylor, landlord, we can negotiate. So I buy six bottles of that. I buy some tapas that I like. I buy olives, chilli, olives infused with garlic and chilli. Black olives and green olives. I buy some, some Italian meat and stuff. Not the expensive stuff now. And I get some stuff for the future, miss. I buy some things for the dogs. So I buy the same shite every week. And 
I go through the checkout and because I buy the same shit every week and it's getting more expensive, if I don't use my supermarket's version of the club card, it costs me £5 more. <laughs> so you're damn right I use the club card. Yeah, absolutely right. Even though I know, you know, what it's all about. But look, they know anyway. It's like people who say surveillance society. You get people complaining about a surveillance state, especially in the independent media. Now, of course, they are right to complain about the surveillance state. But like me, they've got the latest smartphone. They've got the latest and greatest gadget. So stop complaining about the cameras that are all over the place on the lampposts and on the telegraph poles. Telegraph poles, eh? Stop complaining. Because you've got a smartphone that's listening to everything you're saying. It is being mined, constantly mined and trolled for, for your data. So don't give me that shite about cameras, I would say. Okay. To more of your comments. Wayne says, Orban Fox, otherwise known as Wayne, I believe, uh, the revolutions in the past may have been tools to further the agenda. And then he writes in block, he writes in, in, in bold type, because this must be important. He goes on to say then, however, it does not follow that this is the case now. If the people revolt against the cabal, as they are already in the stages of their final revolution, it's called the Great Reset, he says. I believe if we don't revolt against this now, uh, there is no coming back from it. This is the final push to totally destroy humanity. Yes, that's right. Once cashless is final, it's over. I believe it's over. I've said this too many times now to labour this point. It's over if they, if they succeed in removing cash and coins from our lives. They have won effectively. The rules-based currency, we're done then. You know, there won't be any more shows like the Richie Allen show. There won't be. It'll be impossible to do it because they will make funding of it impossible. They make it impossible for me to eat, you know, to pay the bills, to stream. You think when it's cashless, do, do, do you think that they won't contact the streaming companies and say, you're not to uh, stream that bastard? Why? Because my streaming company is a very big one. It's in California. And they've assured me that they would never drop me from, from their roster because they believe in freedom of expression. The, the, the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. We think you should be able to speak to people, Richie, who've got these opinions. But what happens in the cashless society when somebody says to the streaming company, if you continue to stream that bastard, um, we'll, we'll cut you off. We will, we will cut your uh, oxygen off from you. And your oxygen, of course, the oxygen of your business is, is money. We will prevent you from taking money from your other clients to punish you because this guy is dangerous. He is a hate speech monger. He's putting out fake news, which is harmful because it might undermine people's confidence in the climate change. Uh, in, in the climate change solutions. That's the word I was looking for. In the climate change solutions, he will undermine people's belief in climate change. Can't have that because the planet's going to burn to the ground. So you can't stream him. That's where it is going. Once we get to cashless, 
game over. In my opinion. You might say we're virtually there now anyway, no pun intended. We're there. We talked about it earlier on. You can't use cash. I went to see the FA Youth Cup final at Old Trafford. A couple of weeks back, paid a pound for my ticket. Had to be ticketless. Had to be... Uh, I got a... Um, what do you call them? On the screen? What do you call them? What do you call them? What's that thing called? A QR code. That's the one. QR code. There you are. It'll appear on your email. That's how you get in. No ticket. Fine. Get to the game. Old Trafford is so dated now. The bars are shite. The queues are too large. Not enough people serving. But uh, no cash. Imagine you'd have rocked up there. Only with cash. Imagine you were a senior citizen. You don't trust using your card. Because you don't trust it. You're right not to trust it. You have a very good reason not to trust it. The technology. Um, and you've got 25 quid in your wallet to get a couple of pints and to buy a couple of pints for your pal. They weren't taking cash. Tough shit, Paddy. You're not having a drink. Cashless. It's uh, eight minutes. It's seven minutes even to the top of the hour. Thank you. Busy says, those that didn't notice the rebranding of austerity to the cost of living crisis. I'm pretty sure they wore their masks too tight, they socially distanced from reality and were clapping way too loud to save the NHS. In short, says Busy, we are fooked. But he put it more bluntly. Or she. Chris says, we think most people can't listen or look at this stuff. It would blow most people's minds to realise they have been lied to for decades. We are taught from young children to obey and to trust authority, mostly through fear of punishment. That's right, Chris. Fear of punishment or fear of exclusion. Absolutely. Amen. That's the thing. Fear of punishment or Fear of being ostracised. Mark Windows has touched on this. That's the thing. Birdie says that the supermarket chain Tesco is starting to round up payments for charity donations. You are supposed to be asked at payment if you agree to it. Well, I haven't been asked that before, but I would be saying, no, I don't agree to it. I make a couple of quid I send a couple of quid every month to a couple of charities that I like. I'm not going to mention which ones. It's not really important, but I do. I think I think the oft-mentioned Mrs. does too, but I don't even know what hers are, but a couple of bob. Right, um, but I'd be saying, no, no thanks, piss right off. Uh, Bruce says there is a service user from Mencap running through the comments, red ticking them. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think we've got that sort of stuff going on on the Richie Allen Show website. Millie said, I used to give my club card points to random people, but the supermarket won't give them on a separate receipt anymore. Keen says, Richie, great guest Mark Windows. I noticed there was a mainstream media article about saying that customers should be encouraged to use facial recognition and biometrics to make payments. Hence the cameras above the self-service tills. That's right. There was an article in the Times about that today, Keen. That's uh, the London Times, which um, I might dig out and talk about tomorrow. It's uh, four and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Billy says, in his opinion, he offers no proof now, 
but this is his opinion, that the Queen has been dead for a couple of years. The Royal Marines have been readying for her official death announcement on Solstice Day, which just happens to be William's 40th birthday. Put your house on it, says Billy. Uh, No, Billy, I I won't be putting my house on it. But if you are right, Billy, I will be inviting you on this programme so that I can apologise to you in person. (laughs) But uh, I'm not sure that you are. But again, for the 1,000th time in my life, in my broadcasting life, what the hell do I know? Nada is the answer. I know nothing. I'm not sure there's any hologram there being used. That being said, let's be honest, I didn't watch any of it. Of course I didn't watch any of it. And shame on you for watching it. Those of you who noticed the hologram. Faisal disagrees. He wouldn't say game over if things go cashless. He says we'll need to figure out new ways of dissenting uh, and new ways to improvise, adapt and overcome. I'm all ears, my friend. Do let me know when, uh, when, you, when you think of any. And Pandora says, heaven forbid they ever bring in the cashless society. Or the lashless society, she says. Drinkers and BDSM enthusiasts will be left sorely uh, unlapping or unthwacking, says Pandora. <laughs> Absolutely. Now that's about it for the programme today. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Mark Windows. Do go to windowsontheworld.net if you haven't done before. Check out the excellent protocols of power. Back with you tomorrow, Tuesday at 5 o'clock UK time for Tuesday's programme. This programme, of course, will repeat on my website uh, every two hours. It'll start soon enough and then at 9 o'clock, at 11 o'clock. But it is, of course, podcasted. So podomatic.com, iTunes, the usual. Whoever provides you with your podcast, you'll find it there. Uh, Do distribute it, share it around if you want. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, take care of yourselves and one another. Closing out with the late but truly great Glenn Campbell. Hasta mañana, as they say in Spain. Bye.